You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the LA International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in LA since 1989. All right, um, today we're going to continue our study in the book of Acts. We've done two already, and we have a few more to go until the end of November. And then uh, we got a lot of stuff in the middle as well. We got the Harvest Fest. And we have an international night um, uh, in November. And then we have a marriage retreat coming up. And a lot of our married uh, folks will go for that. And then while those are staying, um, we're going to have a service here with the rest of the brothers and sisters throughout coastal L.A. Um, at the Maricosta. And, you know, check your email and stuff like that. We have a lot of things uh, going on. And uh, checking the email will really help. Amen? But we started this series called Under Construction, and it's the reason for that is that we're constantly building our church. And uh, even if we, you know, knew what we were doing 30 years ago, times change and people change and culture change, changes as well. So it's been so great being on campus at UCLA. And uh, I do feel old, but you know what? It's good for me. It's good for me to walk around with the brothers and sisters there and sharing our faith. It's good. I got to figure out a new way to communicate, a new way to 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 really, you know, talk to the students. And I do get a little bit insecure, you know what? But it's a good kind of insecurity. It's a kind of insecurity that will make us really figure out, change, you know, sing to the Lord a new song, if you will, or whatever. But I do get a little insecure. You know, Tim Priestley came in today and says, Ken, nice haircut. And he had a little smirk. And it's not Tim, but it's just me, right? So haircut in the singular. I'm like, what does that mean? I only have one hair. And, you know, I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm like feeling these different things as I'm walking on campus, right? But it's good. It's teaching me to rely more on God rather than myself, okay? So under construction, we want to spend the next couple months to, to really build our church. And I appreciate those who are visiting with us. Come along for the ride because... Uh, this is your church as well, and uh, we love having you here. It's called Under Construction. And uh, part of the campus thing, you know, we're doing, you know, we have the Mary's ministry, the singles ministry, and we have the campus ministry, which is a big part of what the West is all about. Amen? So the campus, they uh, kind of came back uh, last last week at UCLA. It's great to be with, you know, Kevin and some of the new students on, on really continue to make them feel uh, welcome here on the West Side. A way to do that is by sponsoring some of these kids. I want to announce this, that in the next few couple couple weeks, I'm going to ask if you are a single or family ministry member who can uh, sponsor some of these students. We're going to have a, a retreat for them. It's called Rise, Made for More, and uh, they need you know some help. They're doing some fundraising on their own, but uh, if you can help out, we might tap you and your shoulder next week. Amen? The book of Acts, lesson from the early church, okay? The goal is to deepen our understanding of God's uh, church, build unity in our fellowship, and to love people like true disciples do, okay? There are a lot of people around the world doing good things. We're not the only ones, all right? But I do say this, though, that as disciples, we have something to offer that's more than just this temporal world. It lasts for an eternity, and we're going to talk about that today. You know, we cover some of these scriptures, like, you know, some of the themes that we talked about, being inside out, that, you know, whatever originates from us comes from within. 
Okay, the church in Jerusalem got built in. People built, God built the church in Jerusalem through his Holy Spirit so that they can send them out, but it's inside out. And the scripture that we use to talk about ourselves is this, that when the people heard this, this is where, these were the initial uh, converts. Most of them were Jews or, or people that became Jews. They were cut to the heart. And then they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And it's so hard to keep that heart for a long, long time. It is. We get distracted. Right? Like, like Chuka talked about, you know, we get a little bit bitter, you know, in our hearts. It gets darkened. But it's so crucial to keep this, you know, cut to the heart, doing things from the heart. Especially for the older Christians to remember that. You know, and especially younger people too. Sometimes you come here and go, what? You know, it's like, I gotta sit through this. Find something, you know, find something that you can attach to and really think about. When I go to service, it's not like I'm captivated, you know, for the whole service, but there is something there. There is something there that I get from it. One thing, even. He said, brothers, what shall we do? You know, we want to serve. But more than that, how can I change my heart? How do I get my heart going? And this is the foundation of the New Testament church. They sold property and possessions to give to one another who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And God added to their number daily those who were being saved. It was God himself. Saw their fellowship. Saw their love for one another. Saw their commitment to one another. He says, listen, I'm going to give you some more people because you're ready for it. It's like a family, right? It's like a family. Two people get married. They, they, they have this love for one another, but their love over, you know, overflows. And they say, we want a family. We want to start a family together. And that's what God's saying. I'm going to give you people uh, because you're ready. You're able to take care of one another. And that's where we want to go. Amen? Amen? I think we've been stuck for a long time in the same place. And I think that we come to church and we go, well, you know, what can I get out of this? Instead of, why am I here? Why did God put me here? After church, we should be in the business of looking out for people who are new, who are searching for God. We should be tapping people's shoulders. Hey, are you new here? Not just a table in the back row somewhere that people can go to. Not just a website somewhere. They need human people being. Well, humans are people. But, you know, I was trying to be so excited. But anyways, it's the coffee. Okay? They need flesh. They need people. They need conversation to draw people in. And that's why we are a church. Amen? We need that for one another as well. It's not just intellectual. It's not just words in a book. It's lives being words in a book from God lived out and played out every day. You know, I judge a church. I don't judge a church by how great the AV is or the pyrotechnics or even the music. You can have a lousy music service or whatever. And we have great music. We try to do that. It's the people that I judge. I do. I walk around. I go, how's the warmth of the fellowship? Are they aggressive? Do they really believe this? Or is someone making them be here, or is it just habit 
that they're coming here. You know, that's what I look at. I look at people. I look at the faces. I think joy for her is like, ooh, I can only make it one more hour. You know, it's like stomach growling. That's no fun. That's no fun. Church should be a great place. Amen? Like this. Like this. We're going to cover chapter 3 to 6 today, and we're talking about advancing the gospel. That's what a church does. Okay? It advances the gospel. And what is the gospel? The, the Greek word is euangelion. That's the noun. And it's a very, very good word. Okay? It's a very flexible word. It's a very nimble word. It means good news, and it also means to give good news. It's a verb, too. To, to evangelize somebody, to euangelion somebody. Okay? So it's a noun and a verb. What is it? Uangelion. One, it's God's good news to human beings. It's good news. There is life beyond this life. That's good because this life is incredibly short. The verb. Generally to bring good news. Right? To announce good news. To proclaim the good news. It's not even a religious word. It, it, its roots are, are really from, from Hebrew and its roots are from Greek, you know, Greek situations. It's not even a biblical word. It's a, the biblical word came from there. It says, so among the Greeks, the term is used for what? Proclamation of news from victory in general. The uangelos comes from the field of battle by ship, by horse, by swift runner. To proclaim to an anxiously awaiting city. See, they would fight these wars far away. And they didn't have email. They didn't have text. They didn't have CNN or Fox News, if that's what you're into. All right? So these guys would come and, and, and announce, we've, we've won. The victory is ours. And the whole city rejoices. You know, often a letter sent by a letter by the general himself. Good news. Good news. Amen? Peter talks about this. He says, concerning the salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come. You know, I think a lot of us, we get our Christianity from bumper stickers. We do. We get our Christianity from little phrases. Like, you know, God is not... Mad at you, he's mad about you. It's cute, but God does get mad at us. Okay, we have to let God be who he is, amen? And sometimes we go, well, I like the New Testament God, but I don't like the Old Testament God. We have a lot of this, these different pithy little things that are just not good. The Old Testament God, the Bible says, spoke of grace that was to come to you. Actually, the Old Testament is more gracious in some ways and even the New Testament. Search intently with the greatest of care, trying to find out the time and the circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing them when he predicted the suffering of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, right? We're serving people. 
We're thinking about how to serve people. That's our lives. We think about how to serve people. We wake up in the morning, we think about, how can I encourage this person? What can I do this morning to serve other people? That's a good way to live. I've been selfish. I mean, I, I, that's just my nature. And I tell you, when I get into that mode, nothing good comes from me. Lust, evil desires, anger, pettiness. There's a lot of pettiness. Check this out. You're going to like this. When they spoke of the things that have been now told you by those who have been preached by the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Get this. Check this. Even angels long to see into these things. You know the word uanghelio? It comes, it's a close relative of anghelo, which is the word that means angels. They're messengers. They're messengers of God. That's who we are as evangelists. When we evangelize, we're messengers of God. I don't know about you. That's pretty cool. When I was a kid, I wanted to be an ambassador. Because one time I saw this ambassador drove through our city, little flag on the windshield, had all these bodyguards. I go, I want to be just like that. But you know what the cool thing is? We're, we are like that. We're ambassadors of Christ. I want to go back here a little bit. Even the angels long to see these things. Oh, I'm so bored at church. Oh, I'm bored. <laughs> you know the angels who are probably smarter than any one of us here put together? Angels who are more powerful than any one of us here put together? You know what the Bible says about them? They look at the scripture and they go, they long to see what's in it. Well, I struggle to have my quiet time. Not the angels. Not the angels. I have so hard to, to read God's word, even for 10 minutes. I laid out a challenge last week, right? One passage, one chapter a day. How's it been? Good. You're an angel, okay? You long to see. You're like an angel. You long to see the things they're in God's Word. It's not easy. Good things aren't easy. It's not a comic book that, you know, or it's not like these, these television show that makes everything easy. They speak at a fifth grade level or seventh grade level. It's hard stuff. But good things are like that. Even the angels, with all their superiority, longs to look at these things. I love that passage. It challenges me. And by my time with God and God's word, it challenges my intellect to really figure out, man, look at all this stuff that God has put in there for me to read. He's trying to communicate something with me. There's a field of theology that's called reader response. It's a field of not just theology, but it's a field of, of, of just learning how to learn. Pedagogy, how to learn. And it's called reader response. It means that it, it studies how people respond to what they read. You know, is, is there activity going on? You know, what strikes people? And God is saying that, what, with us, we need to really get deep into the word and get engaged in the word. Amen? Three points. It's what we have, the gospel. Number two. It's who we are, the gospel. And number three is why we do what we do, the gospel. Okay? 
Point number one, it's what we have. Let's read together. I love this passage here. This is from, uh, it says that uh, the angels, you see at the bottom there? What we have is a message that angels long to see over the years. We're going to do something different today. Instead of having scriptures on, we're going to open up our Bibles together, and we're going to read it together. Amen? All right. Acts chapter 3, verse 1 to uh, 10. Acts chapter 3, it says, One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. At three in the afternoon, now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. We don't have any money. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter says, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. We are ambassadors of Christ. Peter looked at this man and says, I don't have anything to give. But I got something way more valuable than what I can give you and what I can offer you. You ask me for money? I'll let you walk. And this guy fulfilled an Old Testament passage about a man dancing in the temple, praising God. We have more than money. We have more than just something that can help people for a temporal period, which is good. We have more than that. Amen? Amen? Amen. And we got to be confident in who we are. We can go to any city, any place, any school. With the gospel, we can change that place. Another thing that we talked about was upside down. We can change that place. You know how powerful that is? And I've shared this story before. I was converted. I'm not afraid to use that word. I was converted. I I didn't know God. I was converted into following God when I was 21. I was on campus. Somebody shared his faith with me for five minutes, changed the total trajectory of my life. I can't think of anything more powerful than that. My econ, you know, 301 class didn't do that. My psych, you know, five, I didn't get that. Psych 101, didn't get that, you know. I, I just didn't get that. But this guy, for five minutes of his time, changed who I was gonna marry, changed where I was gonna live, changed what I was gonna do for the rest of my life. I think that's pretty powerful. He had the good news. He was discouraged. He had a Bible talk. No one showed up. He said, listen, guys, I'm going to get out and share my faith. He opened a door. I was walking by. The rest is history. Five minutes. I think about that all the time. Five-minute conversation changed my life. Amen? It's what we have. I think sometimes we go, I don't have this, I don't have that, but we have this. I tell this story all the time, and it's sad, because the brother who the story is about passed away all of a sudden. 
last month. He was 60 years old. He, he, he came home. He had just helped a friend to become a Christian that Sunday. Came home. He was so excited. He was having dinner. He went home. He says, I got chest pains. And he, they took him to the hospital and he died. And here's the story that I, I, I tell every once in a while and I'm going to condense it. He's a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. He has three sons. And I have three daughters. But anyways, I'm not going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about something else. All right? So I've been thinking about that. Crazy rich Asian. I've been thinking about that a little bit. Thinking about that. But my daughters don't like those boys. And I appreciate Steve. Steve says that, well, at least your daughters, they're not shallow. But the parents are shallow. The parents are really shallow. So anyways, he died. He found, his family found this rock in this farm in Cambodia where they were farmers. And the guy, actually, the, it was his neighbor that found it. Gave him the rock because they didn't have, they borrowed some money from him and his father. Didn't have money to pay back. He says, like, I found a rock. It looked kind of interesting. You want this in lieu of payment? The guy says, yeah, sure. You got nothing else. I'll take it. It turned out to be one of the most valuable rubies in all of Southeast Asia. I know what happened to that family, right? That's not even the story. You know what's the story? The guy who had it in the beginning did not recognize what he had and gave it away. I know what happened to the rich people. I mean, you know how they say, oh, they're not happy? Oh, yes, they are. They're happy. I've seen them. They're very happy. I'm not worried about them. It's, it's, the, it's the poor sap that threw it away. Oh, yeah, I've been to their house. Italian this, Italian that. They're nice. It's the guy. It's what we have. Amen? Let's hold on to what we have. Point number two. You know, it's uh, so cool. I, I, I'm trying to skip through this because of time. This is David Ong. He's going to have a chance to share next week. We're on campus this past week sharing our faith for Rush Week. He's visiting on the way to Panama. And David became a Christian in Bangkok. He was dirt poor. He was from Burma. And he met the disciples there. And, you know, this is, he'll share about this next week. But now he leads the church there in Burma. Isn't that cool? So we were on campus, and uh, UCLA is such an incredible campus. You know, within two hours, you know, me and Kevin were walking around. We shared with a guy named Felix. He's from Sweden. We talked about how, you know, Europe has become unbelieving, and but he says, that's not true. That's not true. So he gave me his number. We're going to get together and talk about it some more. Met a guy named uh, Ronaldo, right? You know, good guy. Uh, met a guy named Chibe. He's, guess what? He's from China, right? But when we when we shared with him, he was blown away. He took off his earpiece and just said, listen, who are you? And we share with him about the Bible. And he goes, I can't believe you said that. I go, why? He goes, my mother is a Christian in China. My father is not, but my mother is a Christian. I said, how did that happen? He goes, well, she became a Christian afterwards. And he's a foreign student. He's studying his MBA. And uh, no, he's not doing his MBA. He's doing his business, right? Law. He was doing law. Okay, he's going back to Beijing to become a lawyer after this year. And he says, I can't believe you share with me. He goes, my mother told me that when you go to America to study, you're going to find some people there who believe in God and Christianity. Ask them about what it means. Isn't that cool? 
So got his number too. You know, so it's it's the whole United Nation there at UCLA. It's so true. It's the University of Asians, right? It's like you see the University of Caucasians lost among Asians. I mean, it's like I was trying to find an I was trying to find a white dude. I couldn't find a white dude to share with. This is me and David uh, on Friday. This is me and David 20 years ago. I know. I haven't changed. I know. It's the grace of God. It's the good news. It's Lena and the girls, you know, and Myanmar. It's who we are. It's who we are. It's who we are. Let's take a look at Acts chapter 5. In verse 1 it says, Now a man... What, I got eight minutes, right, James? Okay, cool. Now a man named Ananias, verse 1, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself and brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit lives within us, right? It interfaced with us. It teaches us. It shows us the way. And did it belong to you when it was sold, verse 4? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you of doing such a thing? You've not lied to human beings, but you've lied to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and he died, and a great fear seized all those who had heard what happened. And they buried him. And they buried his wife afterwards as well. It's who we are. What do I mean by that? We don't play church games, amen? It's not a game. It's not just positioning ourselves to look better or to look bad or whatever. In that culture back then, who and what we looked like in our position, our social status was really huge. It was the Greek culture that positioned people, you know, slave, free, Roman citizenship, Roman free citizenship, or Roman who bought their citizenship. All these different categories that went into it. And I thought to myself, I go, well, it's not that different than today. We look at Facebook and we go, how many likes do I have? And we get into that trap. Even high school kids, there was a time when maybe they still do, they buy likes online. It's not that different. But we play that game. And if we're not searching our hearts and trying to figure out some things, I think we can lose our salvation. We care more about what people think about us, even in the church. Even in the church. They were playing church games. Ananias and Sapphira, they could have, they, they sold property, and it was awesome. They could do whatever they want with it. They could have given 10%. They could have given 20%. But they were deceitful about it. We don't have to lie to be deceitful. Deceitfulness is not just the words that we use. Deceitfulness is what we project. It's a misrepresentation of who we are. We're not honest about who we are. That's what it's going on here. We're not open. We're not walking in the lights. We're presenting a religious side of ourselves. And they got zapped. They did. I, I don't know how else to say it. It's a, it's a difficult passage. I mean, they died instantly. 
It's who we are, guys. The gospel is who we are. It's not what we do or what we pretend to do. Let's be honest with one another. Amen? Let's be humble with one another. Let's, let's say, this is what I got. I'm not giving enough. That's fine. We can work with that. I'm not, I'm not talking about just financially. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not being a disciple here. I haven't been, I haven't been one for a long time. If, if, if you look at it scripturally, I think some of us need to confess that. I'm the disciple. If you are a parent, I tell you something, there is a high price to pay. If you go to church, and you act all nice, and you come home, and you're complaining, and you're whining and moaning, those little ears, I tell you, they hear everything. They do. They do. They're good. They don't have a lot of stuff in their minds, so whatever they hear, it stays in there, boy. And they formulate stuff, and they think about stuff, and they will adapt our attitude. They will. I'm telling you. I've seen, i got three girls. i got one at every cotton-picking level. One in the singles ministry, one in the campus ministry, one in the second grade. Hey, man, i got some experience here. I made a rule with Lena. We don't talk about people when we go home. Do we talk shop because we're in the business? We're in the ministry business? We do. But we do it in a way, we formulate it in a way that is that is that doesn't damage them. And that's a good way to do things, but I like to get my heart there, so it's not just a trick, but I want to do that and, and just from the hearts. I want to encourage you, families, brothers, sisters, fathers, mothers, be careful what you say. And go a step beyond that, be careful what you think and what you feel. Because what you say, it's, it's going to be coming out from there. All right? Which brings me to the last point as we close out. It's why we do what we do. All right? Last scripture. In Acts chapter 6, in verse 1, it says, In those days when the numbers of disciples was increasing, there was a time when it grew really, really fast, and there was a time when it kind of slowed down a little bit. The Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Churches have problems. That's just the nature of church. Okay? There's no perfect church. I have people there who says, you know what, I feel like going here and I feel like going there. I said, you know what, you want me to look up the address for you? And I say that, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying that I get that. I'm the minister of this church and sometimes I don't want to come here. I'm just kidding. I, just kidding. Churches have problems. So you go from Acts 2 when they ate together with gladness and sincere hearts to now the Hebraic Jews who were more of the Jerusalem Jews who were, you know, like the traditional Jews. And the Hellenistic Jews who were more speaking Greek as their mode of communication than the culture and stuff like that. They were more, you know, Greeks, if you will. And they were having a conflict in the church. Conflict happened. Do not be surprised. That's just the nature of it. How we solve things determines who we are. That sets us, that's what sets us apart. It's not problems. We all have problems. Right? We're forgiven of our sins, but our sinful nature is still around. 
But it's who we feed, what we feed, that is really important. So they're having this issue. It was a racial, cultural issue. And I appreciate this because it says the twelve gathered all the disciples together and says, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. And it's not derogatory because Jesus waited on tables. Right? But it can't take, supersede the need to do what? Ministry of the word. We can be so busy doing all these things that are church-like things that are even good. But we forget the most important thing there. Ministry of the word. Giving people the gospel. When's the last time one of us, when's the last time we've been involved in a study? I always want to ask. I just want to ask. When's the last time we sat down with somebody and studied the word? If you're not doing that, we're cheating ourselves. There's something about studying the Bible with people that realigns our own relationship with God. Right? It does. And it, it just, it just, it just clears things away. It just clears up all the muddy, you know, problems and issues that are so prevalent and so churchy, you know. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. It just gets rid of those things. Go share our faith. Go study the Bible, people, and you'd be shocked at all the problems that just goes away. It's like people who have like chronic issues, and I'm not trying, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a psychologist. I'm saying, I'm saying, but if, if you just do some other stuff, exercise and going out there, I mean, it's amazing how few drugs that you need to take. I mean, it's just to do those things. And that's what Peter was talking about. I want to challenge us as a church. Stop playing church games. Stop playing church games. Don't do it. If that's what you're all about, if that's what I'm all about, re, re, reassess. It's no fun. Right? Don't waste time. Don't waste life. There's a lot of stuff you can do. I'm 51. I, I looked at the guy... I saw somebody the other day speak Spanish, and I go, wow, what a beautiful language. I, I wish I was 30. I want to learn Spanish. There's so many cool things to do in this world. You know what I'm saying? That's what Jesus said, right? Jesus says, look, be, don't be lukewarm, man. It's the worst position you can be in. That's the worst way to live. Where conviction and action, it doesn't match. There's, there's an incongruity of, of, of life and doctrine, and, and it, it just can't live like that. When Lena and I were in Vietnam, cops were coming into our house. I spent the first year just afraid. I was. People coming in the house, spies in the church, spies selling noodles down the street. I'm not kidding. And I would come home from church just drenched. Because I was just so afraid of being caught and being put in jail. After the first year, I just decided, I said, can't live like this. Can't live like, it's just not, it's not healthy. Moved the whole family near the airport so that if something happened, Lena and the kids can escape, right? And I can stick around. It felt so much better when you make a decision, huh? 
whatever. Put me in jail, put me in jail. I'm good. This is, it's a good thing to make a decision. That's why Jesus says, be either cold or hot. Don't be lukewarm. It's not a good position to be in. As we close on out, verse 5, it says, This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Procor- uh, uh, Prochorus, Nicodor, Timon, Timon, isn't that the guy in the Lion King? Um, Parsonus and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. At UCLA, at SMC, Culver City High School, at your jobs, all of Culver City, all of Palms, all of all these different cities. The number of disciples increased rapidly and large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Let's remember what we have. Amen? We have something that is so valuable. So, so valuable. What's my second point? I forgot. Who we are. Remember who we are, right? And last but not least, it's, it's why we do what we do. It's the gospel. Amen? Have a great week. We'll see you next week, but have a great week. We'll be in touch this week. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.